of the month. It's been a month since I've done this, and it doesn't feel like a month. It's the end of September, preseason started, things are getting into full swing. Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to the Jack Media Podcast, presented by the Inside the Ring Podcast Network. Yeah, as we get closer to the NHL season, I want to encourage you to sign up for ESPN+. Plus. You can get your subscription. You won't miss out on your favorite games. You won't miss out on watching your favorite athletes, or hockey players, I should say. Um, and yeah, it's your number one spot to watch NHL hockey, and you can do that by visiting insidetherink.com slash ESPN. Without further ado, welcome back. I hope this is a start of consistency. I cannot make promises. And yeah, the last one I was heavily distracted because I was trying to figure out StreamYard as I went. I just threw myself to the wolves. Um, you're going to see me uh, look over every now and then. And yeah, so I'm going to start off by advertising my merchandise. I don't have my shirt yet. I haven't. I I know I have. But I don't have right now. I have a mug. I should be drinking like a cup of coffee or something. And that's what I should be doing. But here I am. This is not my studio. This is my I'm in college. Welcome to the club. And yeah. I'm just looking at some of the questions that I have. I may not read questions today. I only have seven. But hey, it's been a while. And how about those Winnipeg Jets? Uh, My last episode was August 24th. I think I've gotten that out of the way that it's been about a month. And the preseasons just swung for the fences. We had games in Australia. I think it was just Australia they played in. For the global series. Yeah. Um, The Winnipeg Jets played a back-to-back series against the Edmonton Oilers. I was very impressed with a lot of the players that the Jets decided to use in said series. And, yeah. So, the Jets won in Edmonton in a shootout, 2-1. to Cole Perfetti scores the in the shootout and I think it was oh my gosh Dominic Toninato I think is the one who scored the first goal forgive me if I'm wrong but it was a really nice goal we'll give him that and then they finished that game in Edmonton in a shootout and so they go to Winnipeg and the Jets decide to give their fans a show winning 5 nothing in regulation, and yeah, they played quite a number of their stars. Pretty sure Kyle Connor had a goal. Um, higher, no, I'm thinking of last night's game where Bauer uh, fought a guy. I'll get to that in a second. Or all of, I'll get to all of that shenanigans from the Chicago game, or no, the Calgary game in a second. Wow. Um, yeah, the Jets couldn't keep it. Uh, they were, 
The Jets could not keep their momentum going as they lost 3-2 in a shootout yesterday to the Calgary Flames. In I think it was in Winnipeg. Yeah, it was in Winnipeg. Uh, I got five key takeaways, and the first thing is I have Declan Chisholm written, but it's actually Dylan Sandberg that I'm talking about. Dylan Sandberg, he looks like he's ready to be the Jets' number two defenseman. We have a number one in Josh Morrissey. We've needed a number two for a while. Some people can argue that it could be Neil Pionk or Laura, uh, Neil Pionk or Nate Schmidt or even Brendan Dillon. Uh, the Jets have good defensemen. They just don't have a guy who has been willing or able to step up into the number two slot. That's going to change this season. Dylan Sandberg, he got his contract, $1.4 million, if I'm not mistaken. He's looking good. He's looking like an NHL-ready player, and he's one of those guys that you need to bring into your lineup and pair him with his own guy. He's not a guy you need to put a Josh Morrissey or a Brendan Dillon with anymore. He's a guy who's going to anchor his own line going forward. I'm just monologuing at this point pretty much. You get the point. Dylan Sandberg is good. He's worth the money that they signed him for. I wish they got him on a longer term, but it is what it is. Takeaway number two, Laurent Brossois looks like he never left. That's also in part because he's playing against basically the Edmonton Oilers AHL team. There is no, you can say he's doing good. You can also argue that it's not as good as a regular season game. And I, I'm hearing you guys out. I'm hearing myself out because this is more of a monologue at the moment. Brossois, I think it was a 26 or 27 save shutout, gets first start of the game. Right after Colin Delia gets first start of the game, uh, mind you, Colin Delia is looking like a really solid uh, pickup for goaltending depth. But I'd, I don't think the Jets are going to have problems with Divincentis, I think is how you say his name. He's looking like a superstar. Uh, you got Thomas Milich in the system. Uh, you got the Russian dude. Oh, my word. They just have decent goaltending depth. You get my point. Um, yeah, so Brossois looks like he never left. I think... Because he's got his cup now. Brossois went out, got his cup, came back. Obviously, he liked it enough here to where he's going to come back. Forgive me. But I'm... Fuck's sake. Minor interruption. It happens. Forgive me. Okay. Just making sure my mic's working. Um... I was talking about Laurent Brassois. He looks like he never left. He got it. I love it. Not they're checking uh, fire alarms right now. Cracks me up. Laurent Brassois looks like he never left. That's kind of where I'm getting at. I think if Hellebuck leaves and Brassois signs long term, it could be beneficial because Brassois went out, got his cup with Vegas, and Hellebuck's wanting to do the same now. So. Here we are. We're in a situation. Forgive the fire alarms in the back. I'm sorry, Dean. Brassois 
has given the Jets depth and solidified their goaltending. Brassois also showed in Vegas that he could be a number one goaltender. So take it as you will. Uh, the third observation or takeaway that I have is Gabriel Velarde, Alex Iafalo, and Rasmus Kapari. They're really solid additions to the Winnipeg Jets roster. Sure, you might you might have wanted to keep Pierre-Luc Dubois. Don't get me wrong. I'm also I'm also wondering if the Jets needed to add by subtracting, and does that start with a player who isn't Pierre-Luc Dubois? Right now, Kapari's playing with. He's on a really good line. He's with like Nemesnikov. And Baron, I think it could be a decent third line. Now, you follow in Velarde, where do you plug them in? They're looking good, like wherever they are. The Jets also have other players that they're bringing into the lineup and out of the lineup that are working, but they're not going to stick for 82 games this season. Players like Parker Ford and Jeffrey Veal, they're going to come in for the rougher games. Veal, he's there for some extra muscle for when the games get rough. Parker Ford, he's going to be more of like a Jansen Harkins sort of player or Michael Esamon, which you lost on waivers. He was a key deadline acquisition for the Tampa Bay Lightning because they picked him up for nothing. Tyrell Bauer, Parker Ford, and Jeffrey Veal are going to be guys you're going to want to watch, and especially uh, Parker Ford. If you take a look at the Jets' PR, they listed their Group A and Group B for the season, or the preseason up to this point. I think it's day eight at training camp. Parker Ford's still in Group A. That's how many. That's how. That's how impressive this guy is being so far. Right, he's turning heads. He's looking good. And it's worth the investment to at least take a look at this guy that you brought through your system. Finally, my last point, the Jets have a promising future at the moment. They have depth, and it's going to be hard to push them out of a playoff spot. I'll get to more uh, get I'll get more into that later. But I want to talk. I'm going to move this down quick. I want to talk more about the hit last night on Cole Perfetti. I just got water everywhere. Water. I want to talk about this Cole Perfetti hit. It's a hit from behind and in the head. And this is the second time that it's happened from the Calgary Flames. I'm pretty sure it's also the second time it's happened in a preseason game. I was having a conversation with some people. We're pretty sure that there's going to be absolutely no supplemental discipline on this play. It's highly necessary because you're setting the tone that you're going to pick and choose when guys are going to get supplemental discipline and all this sort of stuff. 
Rick Bonus, head coach of the Winnipeg Jets currently, he called the hit to Perfetti's head from Flames forward Martin Pospisil. He called it a cheap shot, and he's right. When he he gets a five-minute match penalty and five minutes for elbowing. The five-minute match was an illegal check to the head. The five-minute major was for elbowing. He came up and deliberately took, like, literally drove his elbow into Cole Perfetti's head. I don't know what's so hard to see about it, or in this case, I don't know what's so hard to think about it. It's a headshot. The league is trying to crack down on it. And I think if the league gets this one right, it's one game. But it's not going to happen. I don't know where we've gotten to the point where we're going to shoot a dart at a dartboard and then whatever number it goes off, that's how many games that player gets suspended. Because that's what it seems like right now. It's like you have a dartboard, you got the green, the red. Bullseye is automatic 10 games. And then the black is fines. The red circles are the suspensions, like the major suspensions, like six games and up. The green ones are like one to three games. And it seems like the NHL keeps hitting fines. Because you get to the point of the preseason where guys elbow players in the head. I'm not saying this because I'm a Jets fan or I live in this area and all this. The hit to Cole Perfetti's head is one of those that needs to get disciplined. Martin Pospisil is I think how you say his name. The hit to his head is like he's a player who's trying to fight for an NHL uh, roster spot. Fair enough. That's not how you do it. The way you do it is the guy who hit Mark Stone last night. Clean hit. Wasn't to the head. Mark Stone had the puck. The Golden, the Golden Knights, they responded appropriately, too. But it was a clean hit. I'm going to move off of this, and we're going to go back to the NHL in Australia. I watched part of it. I saw the fight in the first game. Saw a couple of the goals. All I really have to take away is Logan Cooley looks NHL ready. And the Arizona Coyotes, given the roster they played, they looked they looked incredibly competitive. And the LA Kings played most, if not their entire NHL lineup. They had Anze Kopitar, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Drew Doughty. Uh, yeah, I know Gavrikov was in that lineup. I'm pretty sure Gavrikov was in that lineup. Alongside a, a bunch of other guys who went on that trip, who were NHL caliber players. The Melbourne, Australia global series that they did, the two-game stint, honestly could have been four or five teams in a little preseason tournament. Like, it would have been fun to see something like that. It's a fun matchup to watch between both the teams because they all have something to prove. It's not like the Toronto Maple Leafs where they know Austin Matthews is going to have a great year. Mitch Marner is going to probably win the Selkie, stuff like that. 
you have both players or both teams in this point. Coyotes are looking to go from this rebuilding, I'm going to take bad contracts, to we're going to play for a Stanley Cup playoff spot, which I think they're within years of getting to. However, the LA Kings are ready to get another cup and all this mishmash, whatever you want to call it. The NHL, they should consider returning to markets like this that don't actively have have hockey games. Like, promote the game. And what's my other point that I want to get at? Promote the game. Honestly, promote the game. Make it fun for the fans because the, the crowd was energetic the entire time. You could have special jerseys or whatever you want to call it. And I think, I think it's worth going back to Australia at least once a year. Or, and just send different teams. You have 32 teams in the league. The Arizona Coyotes, which are your little protégés in this league, or Gary Bettman's protégés in this league, I should clarify, They don't have to go to every single Global Series game. I know this is probably their first, but like you have the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid. You have these big name players who you should be sending to these games. But then again, what do I know? I'm a guy with a podcast skewing a bunch of crap. This is how it's going to go. I'm going to do the Atlantic Division standing, or the Eastern Conference, both the Atlantic and Metro standings. We're going to play an ad, and then we're going to go into the Western Conference with the Central and the Pacific. Before I go into season predictions and then news before we wrap it up. We still got a ways away, so bear with me here. Let's get into the Atlantic first. I think the first two are going to be obvious. First overall, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Second, or second in the Atlantic, the Florida Panthers. After that, it's whatever and whoever, not including Montreal. You have Buffalo, Boston, Tampa, Ottawa, and Detroit who are going to be fighting for that third, third and fourth spot. I think Toronto and Florida are locks to get playoff spots in the Atlantic. Toronto's getting better. They have a new new GM. They brought in Bertuzzi, Klingberg, and Domi on one-year deals. So they have the talent to win the whole league and President's Trophy curse. Florida, they're coming off of a Stanley Cup final run. I think they're going to make another decent run for the year but I don't see them I don't see them long term staying competitive like I don't think their Stanley Cup window is very let me say this I don't think they have a very long Stanley Cup competition window I hope you know what I mean 
But third, I have the Buffalo Sabres, and I think they're on. I think they're on track to do something. I think they're on track to actually make a dive into uh, playoffs. Finally, it's been twelve or thirteen years since they've last been in the playoffs, and Sabres fans—they've gone through it, but finally they're getting a team. Tage Thompson looks good. Alex Tuck is looking good. Uh, Deline and Power are looking really good. Deline still needs a contract. Uh, or, no, he's got one year left. He just needs an extension done. This is, that's Boston. Klingberg, not, not Klingberg. Deline has one year left at $6 million and he's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. You might want to get him locked up before you also have to get Owen Power a new contract. But I also think with the additions that the Sabres made in the offseason, they'll make a good push. I also do see them having a decently balanced roster throughout the year. I don't see anything else kind of barring them and impeding their way of getting into a playoff spot. So at fourth, I have the Boston Bruins. I think they're going to barely squeak into the playoffs. I know some people might say, oh, that's your team. But they have they brought in Lucic. Yes, you lost both Bergeron and Krejci. But you added a significant amount of other players that I think will be able to plug the holes and the losses that you had this offseason. And you might ask me why Tampa isn't in the top four like they have been for the last probably 10 years. Tampa has been incredibly competitive since like 2015. I just don't see the Tampa Bay Lightning making the playoffs this year. I said it. You have Andre Vasilevsky who's out for two months. He just had back surgery. We've seen time and time again in the NHL, it is almost impossible to recover, fully recover from a back surgery or a back injury. I'm going to make the joke that, oh yeah, he's having this surgery because he carried the, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning to three straight Stanley Cup finals and won two of them. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Lightning are going to go into an abysmal rebuild. They're going to be miserable for about five years. And that's not starting next year or the year after. They're going to try and push for playoff spots. Because they don't have their first until like 2026. That also comes with being competitive, signing different players, trading more than you should for certain players. In the long run, it's worked for them. Or the short term, it's worked for them. In the long term, it's not going to work for them. The Ottawa Senators, I have at sixth. I know they look good in the preseason. I know they beat Toronto twice. I've seen that all over my Twitter timeline. Or X, whatever you want to call it now. The Ottawa Senators need to just flush out a ton of things. They just got a new owner, or they just finalized their new owner in Michael Andler. 
Anlauer, however you say his name. And they, they just brought in Vladimir Tarasenko. You lose Alex to bring it. You bring in other players, so you have chemistry to work out. They could fight for like fourth or fifth, but I don't see it. The league is the dynamics of the league right now is Ottawa will be a top team in the next five years. Not right now. They're not ready to be a playoff contending team. If Corpusalo gets hurt in net, they don't have a long-term solution in case he goes down. Thomas Shabbat goes down. They don't got a long-term solution to replace their number one defenseman. Brady Kachuk goes down. You don't want your captain fighting all the time either. If he goes down uh, long-term, you don't have your star player with a number two behind him ready to go. Most teams have a number two. Detroit, it's kind of the same thing for them. I see them getting more competitive, but with the dynamics of the league right now, I don't see them getting higher in the standings like they would like to. And that's also the same with Montreal. Montreal is 8th, Detroit 7th. And to recap, it's Toronto 1st, Florida 2nd, Buffalo 3rd, Boston 4th, Tampa 5th, Ottawa 6th, Detroit 7th, and Montreal in 8th. I don't think it's a... I don't think it's a terrible list. That's my take. I also see in the Metro, it's going to say relatively similar. I have it as New Jersey, Carolina, the Rangers, the Penguins, the Islanders, Columbus, Washington, and then Philadelphia. Washington might fight higher, but they're not focusing on playoffs anymore. They're focusing on Ovechkin getting 900 goals or whatever it is. Or 895. The Devils, the Hurricanes, and the Rangers, I don't have to explain why I think they're going to be top three. It, it could change in any order, too. The Devils, their additions speak for themselves. Carolina, it's the same for them. Their additions speak for themselves. The Rangers, it was addition by subtraction, but they're still good. The Penguins had a Carlson, which I don't think is a great long-term move. But who am I to say without seeing Carlson play a game or a regular season game with the Penguins? Forgive me. The Islanders have been hit and miss every single year. When I say they're going to make the playoffs, they don't do as good as I think they would. And then when I say they're going to miss the playoffs, they go on back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals runs. Talk about a little dagger into the heart of my uh, predictions in the year. But that's why we predict things. Uh, we got the Columbus Blue Jackets sixth. They finished dead last last year in the Metro. I think they're going to be better than what they were in the last few years, especially after bringing in Babcock and then Babcock deciding 
you know what? The, the media isn't for me anymore. I'm going to go hit the hay. Washington and Philadelphia, I think that speaks for itself with how they've been the last two years or last few years. And without further ado, we're going to take a little bit of an ad break here. We'll be right back on the Jackal Media Podcast. In the meantime, are you missing out on your favorite NHL games of the week? Sign up for a subscription to ESPN Plus, your number one spot to watch NHL hockey by visiting insidetherink.com slash ESPN. That's insidetherink.com slash ESPN. We'll be right back on the Jackal Media Podcast. In the meantime. Well, well, welcome back. Uh, let's go to the Central first instead of the Pacific, because the Pacific's easier than the Central in my eyes, other than like the bottom four of the Central. At first, I had the Dallas Stars. I've been, I had a bit of a conversation with one of my friends and I think I was in a little bit of denial about this. I took a look at the Stars roster. And it's, I think it's time for the Stars to make a run. I'll get to a little bit more of that. And second, I got the Colorado Avalanche. I think they're due to be very competitive. Yet again, with the addition of like Miles Wood, uh, who did, who else did they acquire? They got a couple of good additions throughout the uh, off season, but I do I do see Colorado possibly squeaking into the Stanley Cup final, if not the conference finals for sure. Then again, that goes against one of my predictions. 
That's why they're predictions. And third, I got the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they have depth. Francois is back. He's going to take about a half-half load off a of Hellebuck. And I see Shifley getting moved. But I see these guys that they do have currently, I see them stepping up, which is not the issue, but it's not the issue currently. But it's definitely something that they need right now is their depth guys to or their prospects who with these ceilings and expectations to step up. They need guys to step up. And then fourth, I had the National Predators barely getting in just because of their off-season additions. No other reason. At the deadline last year, they sold, sold, and sold and still barely missed the playoffs. So that's my reasoning. Fifth, I have the Arizona Coyotes. I think they're due to start moving up and being more competitive, but I don't see them getting into like winning the central being top of the central at some point uh, sixth minnesota wild i don't like the additions they've made in the off season they have they've certainly taken a few steps back and it's not going to benefit them in the long term uh, the addition of patrick maroon is not going to help them it's all it's going to do is they have another guy to punch people in the face Finally, 7th and 8th, St. Louis and then Chicago. I think St. Louis might also be in the, myth, uh, in the mix for about 5th or 4th or 5th. I could be wrong. I'm probably going to be wrong, and they're probably going to finish bottom of the standings. They're such an unpredictable team after the 2019 Cup run they uh, made. So... I'm I'm not quite sure. Chicago, they're they're in full rebuild mode. They just got Connor Bedard, and they're going to take a few years before they become the 2010 Blackhawks, 2013 Blackhawks, 2015 team. Like that dynasty that they had is it's going to take them a few years. Finally, in the Pacific. I got Edmonton top. I think they're due to make a massive run this season, and I don't think McDavid's going to fully blow out of gas right away, but could be wrong. Uh, I think the Kings are going to be second, Golden Knights third, the Flames fourth, Canucks fifth. The reason I have the Canucks fifth is, yes, they finished, like, I think seventh last year. Pedersen is going to walk if they're not battling for a wild card spot, essentially. And you don't want your star guy to walk. So if they're showing signs of being more competitive this season and battling for a playoff spot for 82 games, he might be like, you know what? I can see myself with this team, but if they're sixth, seventh, maybe even eighth, he'll walk. I have the Seattle Kraken behind them at sixth, the Anaheim Ducks at seventh, and the San Jose Sharks at eighth. Those last two kind of speak for themselves. The Ducks, they might be a little bit more competitive 
but they're going to run out of steam pretty quickly. They don't got the team for it. Uh, Seattle, it's hit and miss with them. They might have just a down year. That is why it's called predictions, everybody. Um, and then speaking of predictions, we're going to go into like player predictions, season predictions. Um, my first one, I think everybody's on this train, is Connor McDavid. He's going to post another career-high season. I'm going to say 172 points. I don't see an avenue where it's unrealistic, but I also do see him possibly just sitting around 140, 150. But second, we're going to go with Austin Matthews stays healthy, scores 60-plus goals this season. If he's healthy, he can score. He just needs to stay. He needs to stay healthy. That's one of the issues that they're having right now is keeping him where he's not. Let me see. Where he's not consistent in staying in the lineup consistently. If he plays a full 82 this year, he might even score more than 60. Well, way more than 60. That remains to be seen. A third one, Connor Bedard wins a Calder Trophy by a landslide and posts 40-plus goals and 50-plus assists. This is a take that I don't know why people think I'm crazy for it. He's... One of, if not their only bit of high-end offense other than Taylor Hall. I don't see why not. Like, why not give Connor Bedard the opportunity? And I know the Calder Trophy is one of those trophies for just like oh yeah you can only win it once and you can only win it as a rookie but sometimes guys get motivated on oh well i want it in this year it's like don't you think artemi panarin's just looking at Connor mcdavid like look what i won you did it granted look at the stats between the two players then yeah then it's worth talking about. Uh, my fourth one is Ovi scores 50-plus goals, putting himself within 20 goals of Gretzky's all-time goal-scoring record, which is, he's currently at 822. And I don't see where it's unrealistic. He could even put up 40 this season and 40 next season and break the record. Uh, the fifth one I have, Edmonton makes it to the conference finals. Tron uh, Toronto makes it to the conference finals. And Dallas also makes it to the conference finals. I didn't put any specifications. That's what I have. The sixth one is interesting. I was on a call this morning. And I kind of turned this into a little bit of a what you want to call it, a prediction. 
Trevor Zegers does not sign before December 1st and is traded soon after. That is something that Anaheim Ducks fans might have to live with right away. That is a reality that they might deal with. The Ducks weren't offering him more than $4 million a season. There's a fly in my room all of a sudden. $4 million a season for your player with the most personality. Yeah, he only scored 63 points in the last two seasons, or 63 points a season in two consecutive seasons. I should that's my my way of rephrasing. But if you're only giving him four million dollars a year, and you know the salary cap's going up at least five million dollars next season. Why not pay him a little bit extra to take eight years? Because the number that Zegras is wanting is only $7 million a season. Why not give him $8 million for eight years? It's not terribly unrealistic, nor should it be. But that's why I'm saying is if Trevor Zegers does not sign before December 1st, he will be traded soon after. And it'll be extremely bad asset mismanagement by Pat Verbeek and the Anaheim Ducks organization. Let's go on to number seven here. And it's what I said earlier, Tampa Bay misses the playoffs. Vasilevsky's out with a back injury. They say it's two months right now. I don't know of a player off the top of my head that has come back from a back or a goaltender. I'm going to specify a goaltender with a back injury that played the same way. Hip surgery, too. Let's include that in that. Vasilevsky's only had the back surgery. They're saying he's coming back after two months. According to some people who were also former goaltenders in the NHL, like Kevin Weeks, he has reported that the surgery that Tampa has reported that Andre Vasilevsky has undergone is a major surgery. If you look at Vasilevsky's contract, he is making $9.5 million until the end of the 2027-28 season. Remember when Kucherov was down after his hip thing? Kucherov went down for an entire season and came back Fresh as ever for the playoffs.
I also think that Tampa's going to lose Steven Stamkos in free agency. Or it's going to be the summer of 2016 where uh, the it's like the Subban, one, uh, Subban Weber one for one, Hall for Larson one for one, and Stamkos resigns in Tampa. Could be something like that. But I don't think it will be. Tampa is not built like they were when they had like Ryan McDonough, um, Barkley Goodrow, Alex Kalorn, Andre Palat. Like they've lost talent. That's what happens in the salary cap era. Or else you'd have five times Stanley Cup champions or five consecutive Stanley Cup champions. But I don't think. Tampa is going to be able to make the playoffs after Vasilevsky comes back. I think it's going to be a situation where he's not going to be like he was. And he's going to be an overpaid backup. Finally, my last one is Patrick Kane signs with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Buffalo is also rumored to have significant interest in signing Patrick Kane. Kane is from Buffalo, New York. That would make sense. But Buffalo is getting ready to be competitive and get into Stanley Cup runs. Toronto is currently in the mix of being competitive and going on Stanley Cup runs. Hopefully. I say hopefully because finally get out of the first round and then Get your teeth caved in by the Florida Panthers in the second round. If Kane signs in Toronto, he's going to play with Matthews and Marner. And then you have a second line of Bertuzzi, Tavares, Nylander. And then you have Matthew Nyes, Max Domi, and other guy, like another guy on your third line. It just becomes a battle of having three first lines. This fly is killing me right now. You can't see it flying around, but it's landing on me. And it sucks. And I'm going to start this news area with the Buffalo Sabres are rumored to have significant interest in Patrick Kane. Because why wouldn't they? He's from Buffalo. The Sabres have Tage Thompson, who's looking good. Dylan Cousins, who's looking good. They have a well-built roster. So why wouldn't they make a big splash and bring in a Patrick Kane, who is, his agency is putting training videos out of him right now, and he looks like he's recovering quite well. Speaking of the Leafs, John Klingberg, who was recently signed as a free agent by Brad Treliving, who's the new general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He went down with an unknown uh, injury. It might be just like a pulled muscle or something, which will keep him out for a week at most. I'm not a doctor, so don't, don't listen to me. However, there's a lot of Leafs fans saying that Connor Timmons should have been the John Klingberg right now. And they could have allocated that money elsewhere. 
Connor Timmons stepped into Klingberg's role in last night's preseason game against the Buffalo Sabres, funny enough, in Joe Thornton Community Center Arena. It was a Kraft Hockeyville play an NHL game in my arena kind of thing. And yeah, it was an interesting game and Timmons stepped up when they needed him. So the Leafs are going to have to look at what they have and probably probably move Klingberg or maybe he finds his way to LDIR for a full season and they bring in Patrick Kane with that money. It's a possibility. Don't don't tell me I'm wrong. Um, we have a new cap or a bunch of new captains. There's five new captains in the last month or so. Quinn Hughes in Vancouver, which surprised me. Adam Lowry in Winnipeg, which did not surprise me. I'll talk a little bit more after this. Brad Marchand in Boston kind of surprised me. A little bit in denial in that one. Mikhail Backlin in Calgary. Didn't surprise me. Big community guy. He just won the uh, King Clancy Memorial Trophy for leadership. And Braden Shen in St. Louis. Kind of surprised me on that one. But fair enough. Uh, the Adam Lowry captaincy in Winnipeg is... I don't want to say it's interesting, but... Could have picked Josh Morrissey, who's got term. But I see why they gave it to Lowry. is because Lowry plays with his heart on his sleeve. And he, he obviously resonates as a voice in the locker room. And the coach is playing him in higher positions now and expecting more out of Adam Lowry. So the Blake Wheeler era is finally gone. He's playing with the Rangers. And it's now Adam Lowry's turn to make this team his own. Um, another bit of news is former Anaheim Ducks forward Nicholas Cardiles passes away at age 29 after a motorcycle accident. Um, he retired in the 2018-19 season as, I think, a Winnipeg Jet. He played in the Moose that year for sure. And it's interesting because the NHL is looking at like motor vehicles and not not a certain like not a sketchy way, but they're almost discouraging their players from participating. And I cannot speak as if I have that sort of intel. But stuff like this happens and that's everyday life. Um, I said inside the rink, extend our condolences to Nicholas Cardile's family and friends who are affected by his loss. And we hope the Ducks can honor Cardile's in a way that family sees fit. So, yeah. Finally, I was I'm I was waiting to talk about this. I held it to the very end. And that was the Mike Babcock resignation as head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. According to a source from Paul Bissonnette of the Spit and Chicklets podcast, 
he invaded players' personal privacy by going through their personal photos. The story goes is Bissonette, or no, Babcock, not Bissonette. Don't sue me, please. Babcock would call the players into their office and ask to see photos off of their phone and airplay it onto his television in his office. The original investigation said, like, okay, all is good. And then a couple of younger players currently in the NHL, we don't know if it's Columbus Blue Jackets players or former players that he's coached and whatnot. It's probably younger Blue Jackets players is what my gut is telling me is that he brought them into his office and put them on the spot and said, show me your personal photos. I don't know how it went. I'm just saying it like that. And the NHLPA said, we're not going to have that. And we're going to shut this down. The NHL Players Association gave no avenue for Babcock to return to the Blue Jackets as head coach. And the 48 hours leading up to his resignation were spent negotiating how he was going to be leaving the NHL. And I think that's where we're going to end. The howling to the moon is all I need. Thank you for listening to episode 20 of the Jackal Media Podcast. Presented by the Inside the Ring Podcast Network. I'd like to thank the Jans and Boys for letting me use their song called One for the Road, which you're hearing now. You can see on screen where to find them and what song you're currently listening to. If you want to submit a question to the podcast, you can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter. My handle is in the video. It's at Jacko underscore media for those of you who are listening to this. One of my posts, message me directly, and I'll respond hopefully on a podcast. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. Cheers. Even I could find some peace of mind No strings attached, no contract signed Just a place for me to unwind